This is exciting, isn't it? So for those of you that don't know me, I'm usually the one leading music. Um, I am married to Pastor James. Yay, me. <laughs> we started this church together five years ago along with 120 other people. And uh, I am blessed to uh, get to lead alongside him. Uh, not many couples do ministry together. Oftentimes it's one or the other. Or, um, yeah, oftentimes it's one or the other. But uh, God has gifted us to be able to do this together. When we started, our denomination did a, uh, a leadership evaluation of us, and they wondered how we could be married because we're both type A-driven leadership type people. So somehow God figured that out because we're still married, and it'll be 16 years this summer. So, um, and we have two kids that also love to serve here. So um, we are blessed by the Grove and um, excited to see where God is taking us. So we've been talking about doors. Um, over the past few weeks, and uh, each one of us on staff here has been taking um, a week to teach, and uh, I got to, we got to decide which week we wanted, and I know baby dedications take up a long time, so thank you to all 10 kids that got dedicated today. (laughs) Ha, (laughs) ha, Aaron. So, um, we'll see. Most churches, there isn't this challenge of, like, to fill time. But at our church, when James is your pastor, um, you got to at least go 20 minutes because he will make fun of you if you don't. So um, (laughs) his gift is preaching. My gift is singing. People thought we maybe should just switch places this week. But um, you don't want that. So uh, all right, we're talking about doors. And God has given us doors all around us. Week one, we talked about just the concept of the open door, that God has placed before us a door that no one can close and that we have the opportunity to go through this door and that all around us in life are doors and opportunities. And then in week two, Jill uh, taught about door one or door two. So we have decisions. That week was basically about deciding when we're faced with these doors, which one we're going to go through. And uh, she taught us about seeking God for wisdom, asking him to show us what would be the best choice for us, and then that it's not so much about if we decide right or wrong, but it's more about which decision is going to turn us more into Christ. And so that was really cool. Uh, I appreciated that idea that week of what would be the decision that would make me the best person or the the best idea of what God wants me to be. And so that was a new concept for me that week. Last week, James talked about how we go through doors. So we want to go through doors to glorify God above all else, uh, more than the fact of which door we choose. It's about how we go through that door. And so this morning, I want to talk about the doors that we open for others. The whole idea that God has given us this life, he's helped us make choices, right or wrong, and we've learned from those choices, and now we get the opportunity to now open doors for other people. Uh, We've been going through a series by John Ortberg called All the Places That You Will Go. And um, in his book, he says this, Every heart comes with a door. Having the door of someone's heart open to you is one of the greatest gifts of life. To respond well requires time, energy, vulnerability, and discernment. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But will you pray with me first? God, 
I just want to uh, focus my mind to be centered on you as I deliver the words you've given me this morning. And I want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me, that I would be sensitive to your leading. And I pray for those here this morning as they listen, that you would be speaking to their hearts, that we would know that you are prompting us and leading us and help us to learn more and to grow this morning as we talk about the doors and especially that God-divine door that you've opened for us. So I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be looking at Ephesians this morning. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. I'm going to read those to you. All right. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We get to open doors because Christ, the ultimate door opener, opened a door for us. If we look at the first couple of verses here in Ephesians, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you the strength and power through the spirit of your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We're in his family. We're called family because Christ dwells in our hearts. Christ opened that door. Christ coming to earth, Christ dying and being resurrected on the cross, I mean, dying on the cross, being resurrected, opened that door that can no longer be shut. It's the message of the gospel is a door, a door that is open to everyone, to all of us, and Christ brought that door. He's the perfect and ultimate door opener. If we look at Revelation Revelation 4.1 says this, After I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. Revelation is written by John. He was one of Jesus' best friends, and he's given this vision of heaven. And in it, he sees this door, a door that's left open in front of him. And then Jesus speaks to John and says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him, and he with me. And then next in Revelation, it says, Behold, I set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. The first door that we get the opportunity to open for people is the gospel, is that people can know Jesus. And for some reason, God thought it would be a great idea that he would leave that responsibility up to us, that we then would get to become door openers, Uh, I learned this year about uh, the temple. I've been trying my best to read through uh, the Bible in a year. And uh, I'm a bit behind, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to stick with it. But um, I've been learning a lot about the Old Testament, about the Israelites and Egypt and the temple. And through a couple of books I read this year, I've really been uh, going deeper with the idea of the temple 
and God's temple. And what I have discovered is this idea that in the Old Testament, God's temple, God's presence dwelled in one spot. And it started out um, with the Ark of the Covenant, and that's where God's presence lived here on earth. And then the Israelites were able to build a temple, and then God's presence lived there. And any time that Israelite, the Israelites were left without a temple or when they were wandering around and they couldn't be with the ark, they didn't have God's presence with them. He chose during that time that, he would live, that his presence would live in specific and certain spots here on earth. So then we enter into the New Testament. And we have the beginning of the Gospels where Jesus is here on earth. And at that time, the presence of God then lived in Jesus. Where Jesus was, was where God's presence was. And so he then becomes the temple. And then the temple is destroyed and built back up in three days. And we know that's a metaphor for Jesus' death and resurrection. And then he leaves this earth. And now what? Now God's presence dwells in us. So the whole way that God, God's presence reaches our earth, the whole way that people get to see who God is now is through us. The only way for those doors of God's presence to be opened in the lives of other people is if we're willing to open them up. And the one thing I loved about that video was it, it really pointed towards that, that if we don't take those opportunities to open those doors, that then people are missing out on the opportunity of seeing God's presence in their lives and in your lives and in this world. And it's amazing for me to think, why would God do that? We are, we screw up. I screw up. If you've noticed the last few months, we've been having ridiculous problems with our computer, and it loves to go down at opportune times. And... Um, I don't show the best me in those moments. I try. <laughs> but why would God use me? I get angry at inanimate objects when they don't work the way I should. But he's chosen to let his presence move through me so that it can reach other people. And this advances his kingdom. The kingdom of God comes here on earth when we become people that open doors for the gospel to be spread in other people. So if Jesus is the ultimate door opener, it would only make sense that if we're going to open doors for other people, that we would know Jesus. And I don't just mean know Jesus. Like, I, um, I know about TV shows. I know about the Avengers. I know about Jurassic World. It was okay. Just saw it. Um, it, it means knowing the way a husband knows his wife and a wife knows his husband, the way a parent knows a child, the way the child knows their parents, or the way that you talk with your best friend in the whole wide world and when something happens you can't wait to tell them. That's what God means when he wants us to know Christ. I want to look at verses 17 to 19 in Ephesians 3. It says this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
knowing the love of Christ beyond knowledge. That intimate idea of knowing. So if we're to know Christ, it means we know his love. Every action that Christ did was motivated by love. Every act, every decision, every interaction with people was through love. And so if we're to be door openers, then we need to know this love. We need to know the love of Christ intimately. It needs to be woven into the fabric of who we are because that's going to be the only way that we can open doors for other people. Have you ever tried to do something for someone and they can see right through it? They can see the motivation for that? Or have you ever had that happen to you? You know someone is being nice to you or doing something for you because you know what's behind this? But Jesus, he does things for people, his miracles, his healings. The whole fact that he came here to earth was motivation of love. He had no ulterior motive. It wasn't about him. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was so that the Father could be glorified. Jesus didn't come here so that he could be glorified. It was because he wanted the Father to be glorified. So Jesus didn't look to his own interests or his own ideas. He was following God's interests and God's ideas. And if we're to know this love, then we have to be people that are willing to put our interests aside. Not only for the interests of God, but for the interests of other people. I want to look at Philippians chapter 2 because it gives a great example of Christ's love. It says this, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. As a side note, I want you to think about that. Look at the first couple of verses if you have it open in your Bible. If there's any encouragement, any comfort, any participation with the Spirit, if there's any, if you've ever had any kind of interaction with Jesus whatsoever on the smallest level, we're commanded to be humble to think of ourselves as less significant, to put others ahead of ourselves. And it's not about our interests, but about the interests of others. Christ's love is self-sacrificing. It's humble. He looks at the needs of other people and says yes to those needs. He wants to step in. And he's not thinking about how much time it's going to take, how how much it's going to hurt. You know, we talked about that quote earlier from the book, It says to respond well requires time, energy, vulnerability, and discernment. Time, energy, and vulnerability. That is not easy. I know for me, being vulnerable is the very last place on the face of this earth that I ever want to go. Ever, 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 ever. And yet God says, put what you want aside because people need to see that. We can't open doors when we do it out of an arrogance or when we do it out of, um, oh, I know what you need. It's when we come alongside people. 
when we help, when we take the time, when I know I don't have time to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, in that video, it talked about that man. He had to get someplace. He was meeting with his friends. He was on his way to do something. And in my mind, I like to think that he was on his way to uh, meet someone from church or to do something for church, to plan some activity. Because I think for us as Christians, we think, oh, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I, I'm teaching. I'm serving. I'm meeting for Bible study. And yet I'm not taking time to have coffee with my friend down the street whose marriage is breaking up. I'm not taking time to talk with that person from work who's really struggling because they're annoying. And I really don't want to. No one else wants to eat with them. I don't want to eat with them. That takes energy. Those kind of people take energy. It's exhausting sometimes. And yet Jesus left that example for us. I know that we are exhausting for Jesus. The disciples were exhausting for Jesus. Again and again, if you read the Gospels, just look at how Jesus reacts to them. It's awesome. Because he's like, when are you going to get this? And here we are 2,000 years later, and we are still making the same mistakes. There's a story um, about the little children wanting to come to Jesus, and the disciples were like, no, 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 he doesn't have time for that. He doesn't have time for that. And Jesus is like, let the people come. Let the children come. Let the sick touch my garment. I have time for that. That is where people are going to meet me. That's where people are going to know me. And we're left with that example today. We need to know Christ's love in a way that is written on our hearts because then people can come to Christ. Then they want to repent. Then they want to turn over their ways because of love. Not because of shame or guilt or because you've shown them the error of their ways, but because God's love, it, once you experience it, you can't run away from it. Once true love, God's true, true love. It's irresistible. You don't want anything else. And so if we're going to open doors in people's lives, we need to experience Christ's love in our own lives. And the only way, I shouldn't say the only, but one of the best ways for us to experience Christ's love is for us to practice his love, for us to take time to show God's love to other people. And start off small. Start off by helping that mom that needs help with her toddlers getting into the car. Start off by buying the coffee for the person behind you in line. Do the quiet things, the things, you know, behind the scenes that no one else sees because that's where God's moving. And that's where he's going to start to open up your heart and where he's going to start to teach you about his love. And then as you practice that, because I believe that our spiritual life is a muscle, just like the rest of our body. And if you're not using it or working it out and practicing it with it, it gets flabby. It uh, gets uncoordinated. It gets slow. <laughs> Your reaction time slows down. Uh, softball started last week, and it was really apparent that uh, I hadn't played since last summer. I did not practice before. <laughs> Those muscles are asleep and need to be reawoken. And that might be said for my whole team. I'm just saying. Um, but our spiritual life works the same as our physical life. So start to practice 
start to use those muscles that want to serve others, that want to give. You have opportunities right here in our church. Serve coffee, do welcome team, help with kid ministry. Those things are going to start working those muscles. And then the amazing thing is that God's going to start to open up other doors, bigger doors. He's going to start to give you opportunities that you're going to be like, no way. That is way beyond me. I can't accomplish that. Those doors are not for me to open. And that's when God says, you're right. And now we're going to start opening doors in my power instead of your own. And this is where we move on to the end of Ephesians. Verse 20 says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The power at work in us. And what is this power? It's the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 says this, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Spirit of God that made death alive lives in you. And we have that opportunity to serve and to love others the same way Jesus did because the Holy Spirit is in us. We can open doors for other people through his power and not our own. And that's when big doors start to open. When we start to go, okay, I'm going to surrender. I want to have Christ's love in my life, and it's not about me anymore. And I'm going to let God work through me to open these doors that seem way too big for me to do in my own strength. And because the power of God is in us, We don't have to uh, strive or to make a list of how I'm going to get that open. I mean, we need to be prepared. But God's in, in another way saying, sit back and watch what I can do. And here's how this works. So, um, we've known for a few weeks that we were, uh, doing this sermon and, or this sermon series, and I knew what I was going to be talking about this morning. And I had a passage in scripture, and I was trying to work it out, and it was not coming together. And everybody's like, oh, we're so excited to hear you. And I'm like, I have nothing to say. And I was just, I was so stuck. And James was like, yeah, we should sit down and talk about that. We should sit down and talk about that. And me and my pride was like, I don't need you to talk to me about that. I can do this on my own. And God says, I don't want you to do this on your own. And when I got humble, and instead of it being about me, and I sat down with James and we reworked it, and we picked a different scripture, because all alone I was like, I hate my scripture, I hate my scripture. So then, that that was midway through this week, so I'm I'm writing it out, and I'm working on it, I'm working on it, and I'm still like, I don't know, I don't know. And so I get up Friday morning, and I get in the shower. And here's the thing. God talks to me in the shower. (laughs) It's where I'm most vulnerable, (laughs) as probably are you. 
But all of a sudden, God's like, hey, you and I have not talked about this yet. And I was like, oh, like it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I had not gone and asked the Holy Spirit to help me out with this. And I know this lesson. I went through a tremendously difficult time in my life a few years ago where God just broke me down and built me back up and showed me, you've got to stop doing this on your own, and you need the Holy Spirit. Things are going to mess up. Computers are going to break down. And it's not about that. It's about my kingdom and what I want to do here. And the only way to not let those circumstantial things get in the way of God's agenda is if you let the Holy Spirit be the motivation and be the power in your life. And all that takes is asking. As soon as I surrendered and then asked the Holy Spirit to step in Friday morning, everything just overflowed out of me and gushed and I was writing and I cut things out. I'm still not talking about half the stuff on my page. We just need to ask. The power is there. And here's the thing about God, right? Back in Revelation, it said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. It doesn't say, behold, I stand at the door and I bust it down into your life. I knock and I wait for you to answer. And it's the same way with the Holy Spirit. He's not just going to come into your life. Now, he is, this is one of those mysteries, because yes, Once you become a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. So let me think about how I want to say this. The Holy Spirit is the activating agent, right? So in in a chemistry, right, in a science experiment, you have the experiment, but until you put in that activating agent, it doesn't become like what it's supposed to be. It doesn't explode. It doesn't overflow out of the beaker. Like it doesn't become awesome until you have that activating agent. So until we turn on the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are doing it on our own. And so all we have to do is ask. And then we start to practice, right? We start to use those muscles. We start to do the little things. And then God starts to give us the big doors. And then the Holy Spirit is like, watch this. And then you start to do things that you never, ever thought that you could do. But it all comes back to that Christ's love, that humility. Because when we are seeking our own interests and the things we want, we get in the way of what God wants to do. We get in the way of the Holy Spirit being able to move because I'm trying to do it in my own power instead of doing it in his power. And so if we're going to open doors for people, the only way for, for those big doors to be open for those people that you think are never, ever going to want to know Christ or for that situation that seems completely out of, your, out of your capability and knowledge of being able to solve or fix. If those doors are ever going to open, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to start moving in us and to start moving and slowly pushing against that door. And then God's just going to bust it wide open And amazing things are going to happen. And so you might be thinking, well, okay, yeah, we talk about the Holy Spirit, and that sounds really cool. It's another one of those things that as you practice, you're going to start to understand. And you're going to start to understand that that 
gut feeling, that thing inside of you, you're going to start to be able to recognize that that's the Holy Spirit. And if we go back to our quote from the book earlier, and the very last thing it says to respond well requires discernment. And discernment comes from the Holy Spirit. It's that wisdom. It's that um, when you get in a situation and you're like, oh, I know exactly what needs to be done here. And then when you get out of that situation, you're like, how did I know that? That's discernment. That comes from the Holy Spirit. And so we, as we practice, we'll start to recognize what the Holy Spirit sounds like. And the Holy Spirit, let me give you a couple ways to help you start to recognize this. The Holy Spirit never goes against Scripture. He's always going to do things that point to Scripture. He's always going to tell you things that point towards God, that glorify God. If you think the Holy Spirit is telling you something, but in this situation you're the only one that's going to get the glory, it's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't talk negatively about you, and he doesn't tear you down. The Holy Spirit brings conviction, not shame or guilt. So if you're feeling like you're a horrible person because you did something, that's not the voice of God in your life. That's someone else's voice, and I can talk to you about that later. And then the fourth way, talk to other Christians. Talk to people who are a little further on this journey than you. Tell them what you're hearing. Get confirmation and go to a few people. Go to people you trust. And they're going to be able to tell you, yeah. You know what? Go to people that you can see the Holy Spirit in them. They've already been able to recognize his voice. And those are the people you need to hear from so that they can teach you how to recognize his voice too. The Holy Spirit gains power as we surrender ourselves. Less of us, more of him. And then God gets glory in the church. Then our churches become about him. Then we walk in and it's like, I feel God here. It's not about how great our programs is or how amazing our building is and how comfortable our chairs are. It's about God in this place, that God's moving in the people here. And then we become a door that cannot be shut. And here's what's amazing. At the end of uh, John Ortberg's book, he talks about being in a Greek class. And uh, he learned about perfect tenses. And apparently in our English language, we fall very short of Hebrew and Greek when we're reading the Bible. And the term door here in the scriptures, when it says here's a door that cannot be shut, it's a perfect tense. And what that means is it's an action that is finished and completed, but its effects are still being felt today. At the end of Ephesians, it says that to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, a perfect tense. It happened then, it's done and finished, but it's still being felt now. It's still active. And we can become active door openers with the perfect tense. An action that was completed and finished, but its effects are felt throughout all generations. The kingdom of God continuing and advancing. Our world's not getting worse. Our world's getting better because the kingdom is moving forward. But only when we Move in God's power. 
when we surrender to his love, and when we're a part of the gospel, then we can open doors, doors in people's lives and doors in our world that cannot be shut. So we're going to move into a time of worship, and I'm going to ask the band to come up right now. And I actually want to have us respond to this this morning. Because being in a relationship with Jesus is active. Being in love with Jesus, knowing the love of Jesus is active. It does something in us. It motivates us to action. It moves us forward. It propels us. And so I want us to move this morning, if you feel led. And the band's going to just play instrumental music, and I'm actually going to give you time, and I want you to, to take time and pray, and to pray about doors. And for some of you, you just need to open the door to the gospel. You've not opened that door to Jesus yet. And then for some of us, we need to open the door to God's love. We know G- we have a relationship with Jesus, but we don't know him yet. We acknowledge him. We believe in him. He's nice. I've got my ticket into heaven, but he's done nothing to change my life. That's where knowing Christ's love, that's the next step. And so for some of you, that's where you are this morning. And then for those of us that have already opened those doors, we need to open the door to the Holy Spirit. And we need to turn on his activating agent. And we need to let that Fill us up so that we can start opening doors for other people. So that we can start doing things on earth that matter and start having doors that cannot be shut.